You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to... A Monday Thanksgiving week edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. None of you fine folks not following the live stream will ever hear any of that ever again. So I'm going to give us a proper intro for the pod. Tyler Wade, he gone. Why is he gone? Well, because the Yankees had to make a 40-man roster shuffle, and he's not the only <laughs> one, but he's the first person to be traded from that chunk of players. We're going to talk about everything that went into the Yankees' 40-man protections, from Friday evening, they protected everybody you wanted to see protected, but they let go a lot of folks you probably anticipated being on the roster moving forward. Also, the nightmare scenario of the Yankees cheaping out on shortstops has become realer and realer as time passes, so I guess we have to address it again. We've also got a creative solution to potentially that glut of cheaper options, and we'll discuss that as well. And the new Hall of Fame ballot is out. So we're just going to take a little bit of time at the back end of the podcast to rant about David Ortiz and everybody who loves David Ortiz could ignore that part of the pod forever. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Give us a subscribe. Give us everything that you give to YouTube channels as well, because we're giving you the content live there first, and then you can get it on your favorite podcast apps. Where else other than the YouTube channel can you possibly see a double talk loud stereo repeater of the podcast. It, it's a great question and uh, one that we'll hopefully never have to answer again. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. A couple of the worst players on the Yankees 2021 roster are gone, but it still feels pretty weird that they are gone. Yeah, uh, we came into last week's Thursday episode fairly mad based on what we've heard, um, <clears throat> uh, based on the rumors, uh, Justin Verlander stuff. Um, and now I'm kind of still mad probably still a little bit mad uh am i devastated that the guys that they let go on the 40 man um am i devastated about any of that not really i don't understand some of them um clint frazier i totally get never really had a place they were never trading him no team was ever going to take him in a trade because 
any devalue in Yankees asset is never viewed positively by any opposing, you know, rival or executive. Um, but Ruben Odor, um, do I think he's bad? No. Did I think he was great? No. But he clearly provided some boost of energy that this team needed in some capacity. And the Rangers were paying a salary for all of next year. So none of that counted against the tax for the Yankees. Not sure why that was a priority to get rid of him. And then you have Tyler Wade, who was also DFA'd in that in that uh, scrum of th- those three. Um, this is what gets me mad. This is the part that gets me mad. Why? Because we hang on to Tyler Wade for four years of him getting part-time duty, and he's bad for four years, 2017 to 2020. Bad. Bad player. Bad in the beginning of 2021, too. We were not happy. I said before, I pulled out the receipts of old articles that I wrote. He made that base running gaffe against the Orioles back in April when they lost that game in extras. It was terrible. Don't know why it happened. Shouldn't have been. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He didn't make a base running gaffe. He couldn't bunt in extra innings against the Orioles. Yeah. Tyler Wade should be able to bunch. Should be able to steal bases. Should be able to tag up on fly balls and not just start round third base on a pop fly to center field like he did against the Mets that year. Um, So I pulled out the receipts. I've ripped Tyler Wade in the past. Um, Really nothing new. But then finally, 2021. You get out of April, he starts getting more consistent playing time. They find a role for him utility-wise. He's playing infield, he's playing outfield. He's filling in the gaps when needed. Bat starts to come around. It's almost 270 in 103 games. Steals 17 bags. Pinch runner, defensive replacement late in the game. Okay, now we're talking some value. Yankees lack defense. Yankees lack versatility. Yankees lack lefty bats. Yankees lack speed. Okay, Tyler Wade, cheap, cost-effective option. Could be Carter Roll out for himself we'll keep him on the bench no we'll dfa him he's making what under a million dollars probably making like seven hundred thousand dollars next year for i don't know what the rising cost for him in pre-arbitration or arbitration was dfa him trade him to the angels for nothing we'll find out at a later date don't know when it's going to be i'm mad about it i don't i don't like it we watch it we watch an asset depreciate for four years the yankees decided not to cut bait and then they sell low when the asset starts to actually gain value for them I don't get it. I really, I just don't understand. Well, it's very funny, objectively funny, no matter how you feel about the Yankee shortstop chase, that the Angels have picked up Andrew Velasquez and Tyler Wade over the last couple of weeks. Um, that, that the Yankees, uh, these are objective facts, right? I'm, I'm not making a judgment saying Tyler Wade should start. Uh, I think that's a loser. That's a crazy mentality. Yeah. No one should think that. No one's entering 2022 being like, we should have kept Wade. We should have kept Velasquez because we need a starting shortstop. No objectively, the Yankees have gotten less athletic in the last couple weeks. The Angels have gotten way more athletic. The Yankees have yet to ensure against not getting a top shortstop in in any way. Wade was insurance there. Velasquez was insurance there. These are people, you know, Velasquez, they had to knock off the 40 men. They don't have enough room to protect the guys they protected. We will talk about that in a little bit. But but Wade didn't even make my list of potential 40 man casualties last week. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't remember if we mentioned him or not. If we did, it was probably only in passing because he ranked behind a lot of other people who felt like DFA candidates felt like non-tender candidates, et cetera. Neither of us are saying really that the Yankees should have traded Tyler Wade for three elite prospects or flipped Tyler Wade for Ian Happ or some nonsense, but he went, he spent 2017, 18, 19 and 20 proving he was not a winning player and provided almost no value, didn't hit at all, was called upon to pinch run and made numerous pinch running gaffes, ended a Mets game in extra innings as the free runner on second base because he took off for third on an easy fly ball to center field, right? Did a lot of dumb things over the last several years. And then in 2021, 
finally looked like not a starter, but a player who was valuable in the game of Major League Baseball who can get on base and take that extra base and steal bags and use his speed to his advantage. And he put up a 90 WR, uh, OPS plus last year in only like 140 at-bats, right? Tyler Wade was never a starter. Tyler Wade played in 103 games and got about 140 at-bats. So if Tyler Wade was starting long-term, something had gone very wrong. But you could do worse than have that be the last piece on your bench. I'm not saying the Yankees can't improve on that last bench piece. 90 is below average. The Yankees can employ an above average bat at that position to fill multiple positions. But all of it looks strange. I don't think any of us expected Wade to be the first domino to fall. I don't think we expected him to get traded to the Angels for absolutely nothing. And I definitely don't think we expected that in a year where they don't have a shortstop and we're now, we're talking about this later, we're hearing more and more that they're not in the market for the top guys. If the, the stopgap options are like Angelton Simmons and Freddie Galvis and Jose Iglesias, all of those people are not just not Corey Seager and Carlos Correa. They're, they're bad. They're all bad. They're better than Tyler Wade defensively, according to the metrics, but we don't really even know that because the metrics don't really measure like 20 games at shortstop very accurately, and Wade's always felt like an average or above average defender. And 90 OPS plus, I mean, that is Galvis territory. That is leaving Andrelton Simmons in the dust. So Tyler Wade, bemoaned Yankee, despised Yankee, uh, is, you know, letting him walk and then signing these one-year stopgap guys who really don't provide you much more than Tyler Wade has is a terrible look. Yeah, and it's just another example of the Yankees mismanaging assets, if you even want to call Tyler Wade an asset. He was an asset for the Yankees in, in some sense. Maybe the Yankees have a grand plan in mind where they are going to upgrade the bench and have an above average hitter at that spot. I don't know who it would be, but if we're talking about what they've done up until this point, the answer has been nothing. They're apparently removing themselves from the shortstop talk. Look, I'm not going to jump to conclusions there because to me that those types of reports are similar to the ones who are saying, Oh, they're in on every shortstop. So get ready. It's like, okay, it's somewhere in the middle. They clearly have interest here and there. We don't know exactly where it is. If the Yankees do indeed pass on a star shortstop because they have faith in their prospects for two, three years down the road, then that would be a fatal error, and we would hate them forever for that. Um, so I'm, I, I am taking the reports with a grain of salt. However, when you put all these, when you put all these different issues together, where they've been inactive, they I, I talk about the Justin Verlander deal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. We'll get to that in a second, but you have you have the miss out on Justin Verlander for being cheap reasons, which we'll talk about. You have taking uh, taking a step back from the shortstop market because you don't want to spend a lot of money or block prospects that you still have no idea how they're going to project at the major league level. Um, and then you cut bait with a guy who finally carved out a bit of a role for himself at the major league level, not starter material, um, but adds a different element to your team, especially in later innings when you need these types of substitutions, um, and throw that in with the fact that you're keeping some dead weight on the roster still. Some of these guys could have all they could have figured out a way to part with some of these guys. Miguel Andujar, why is he here? I do not know. He cannot play defense anywhere. His bat is still not good enough, at least what we've seen over the last couple of years, to be in the lineup. So I don't understand why he wasn't among the candidates to be DFA'd. Um, and then you want to talk about Luke Voigt and Domingo Herman. Luke Voigt's great. I love Luke Voigt. I just don't think he's going to be here. I don't understand how that's going to repair the relationship. 
Um, I don't know. I don't understand how the relationship is going to re- be repaired after what happened last year. And Domingo Herman, if he's not starting in the rotation, I mean, if he is starting, that's a problem for the Yankees. If he's not starting, he doesn't have a role. So what's the point? He's just going to eat spot starts to making like, you know, between two and three million a year or something like that and eat, eat innings out of the bullpen when games don't matter. I don't see any value in that trade him or DFA him. It doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. He shouldn't have been with this team after all those allegations that happened. The Yankees stuck with him for far too long, only to see it not work out this year. So asset mismanagement is what angers me most about this. And the fact that they had other guys they could have parted with, it's right there. It's right there for you to see. Maybe Tyler went to the Yankees and said, I want to go back home to California. I don't know. Hopefully, if we heard about that, I'd feel better about it. But I just don't understand. I don't understand taking in unless they have a plan to sign fast players who play good defense and can play multiple positions. I don't know the answer here, but we can talk about the other 40 man moves, which we alluded to a little bit. Um, Odor gone, we think. Right. Because people were saying that they thought Wade might be back. But then you look at it and it's like Wade's under team control through 2025 for nothing. Why would he be, what are they going to sign him to a, a deal for a hundred thousand dollars cheaper? So I, I didn't understand that discourse on Twitter. Once these guys are DFA, it's pretty much it. And Clint Frazier, a big farewell. He's definitely gone. Um, feel bad for the guy, you know, uh, all that's gone. Uh, the, all that's gone on since his arrival in the Bronx with that trade with the Indians back in 2016. Um, he, there was that buzz that was, he asked the front office to unretire Mickey Mantle's number so he could wear it, which was kind of nonsensical, and it was eventually debunked. He had the spat with Michael Kay about Michael Kay talking about his health and how he should be on the field. Um, he talked some trash to fans on Twitter who weren't entirely nice to him. He had the defensive uh, – was it 2018 or 2019 when he had that horrible defensive showing against the Red Sox? Um and then skip that. On. I think it was early, early 2019. It was like when that season threatened to fall yeah. apart. It might've been 2018 though. Um, Who knows? Either way, yeah. awful defensive yeah. showing skips out on the media says he doesn't owe anybody an explanation for any, anything. Okay. Um, and then you have the concussion issues, which kind of lingered longer. And then this year culminated in him getting the starting left field job, then re-signing Brett Gardner, Clint Frazier batting what? 180 for the first uh, three months of the season. And then the concussion like symptoms, I guess, coming back to life. Um, and that put him down for the rest of the season. After that, you kind of knew the fit wasn't there. Whatever was happening here just simply wasn't working out. Um, and then we had a trade, big trade, Nick Nelson and Donnie Sands off the roster for a couple of guys who were going to join the minors, clear two 40-man spots. That allowed the Yankees to protect the guys that they wanted. And I think you're excited about some of the guys they're protecting, as am I. Yeah, I kind of can't believe they did that. I mean, uh, Nick Nelson, the most obvious jettison candidate of all of these people. I- I'm not shocked that Nick Nelson ended up off the roster. I am shocked in the, in the method it happened. I... I- one of the more surprising things, too, and I think you can telegraph this move pretty clearly to the finish line, is they added Donnie Sands to the 40-man a couple weeks ago, and then everybody kind of was like, oh, I guess they're not going to protect Josh Bro, who is the former second-round catcher who's up for protection this year. And, and you know, that's that's great. That's the way they envision things is what it is. Um, Donnie Sands interests me for sure. He, he's sort of a guy who's fought from nothing to be something, not the most heralded prospect, but he, he hit for serious power this year had certainly turned a corner as, I believe, like a 13th rounder. There was a lot to like about Donnie Sands. Uh, he's also, he grew up homeless. We were all getting used to that story. We were getting ready to tell that story. Uh, and then they attached him to Nick Nelson as the first 40-man move to get them both to Philadelphia. And, and, okay, I do understand that. And then you're sort of thinking, 
all right, they're probably going to protect Bro now. And, and they end up protecting five people. None of them are Josh Bro. So now there's no third catcher on the roster. I don't think this is a huge problem. I don't think this is catastrophic. I don't think that you can't come back from not having a third catcher right now. There will be guys like Rob Brantley available around opening day. Zach Britton eventually will not be on the 40-man roster or will not be taking up a 40-man roster spot. That's just a problem for later. You know, when the next time they need a spot, Zach Britton will give them one. But right now, that wasn't an option because that would involve cutting him entirely. He'd lose the 10-5 rights like you talked about. A lot of the things they're doing, they're, they're doing to Zach Britton, they're, they're being nice to, to a veteran, and that's all fine and dandy. He's obviously going directly to the 60-day IL as soon as they can. Um, but, you know, it went from it went from there's no room on the 40-man roster to, okay, there's room for two guys after the Nick Nelson-Sands move. Uh, best of luck to Donnie Sands in Philly and best of luck to Nick Nelson, who uh, you know had every opportunity to prove that his stuff could translate to uh, bullpen excellence. And he did not do that at all. And that guy, uh, you know, again, you know, maybe it happens in Philly. Great. Didn't happen here. No need to keep protecting somebody who's not not participating in, in the season whatsoever. Then they end up, you know, cutting Wade DFA. He, he's now been traded. Clint's floating around that market. Someone could claim him if they want to. And, uh, you know, Rubenet Odor, who they were not paying any money for this year, which theoretically would show you the Yankees are prepared to pay in the future for upgrades, but also it might just be a situation of not good enough, taking up a roster spot it is what it is. And Duhar, probably uh, people pointed out he has one option left, making him a slightly more valuable trade candidate than Clint Frazier, slightly, although odds are high. They're just going to burn that asset next week, too, and DFA him. You know, when the non-tender deadline comes around, they probably just won't tender him a contract. We are going to take a quick break. Stick around. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know. There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know. A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Let's talk about the good before we talk more about the bad and the annoying things. And and Clint Frazier, uh, clearly not a maximized asset. I don't blame the Yankees for him falling, you know, for hitting the wall twice and giving himself horrible post-concussion syndrome and all that stuff. But there were times when if you didn't trust... They didn't trust Clint Frazier. It's the worst kept secret in baseball. He was he had his best season in 2020. It was like his only good full season as a Yankee, and he was out of the rotation by October. He was great in 2019. He hit with runners in scoring position early in the season. He was basically leading the way in May and June of 2019. And the first second the Yankees get him off the roster, they did. They sent him back to AAA. Every time the Yankees had a chance to get Clint Frazier off the major league team or out of the lineup, they did it. And that's not really saying that he – I mean, there were plenty of times when he didn't earn more playing time. There were plenty of times when Clint yeah. Frazier's defense was so par and all that stuff. But both things can be true. Clint Frazier could be responsible for his own demise in the organization, and the Yankees also could have used the Clint Frazier asset better because you can't argue they couldn't have because they lost him for nothing. They made a trade for a guy who's already on the you know team property. They, they technically traded Clint Frazier's roster spot for somebody they also controlled, put on the roster. So... Good with the bad. The good is they protected all the right people. Uh, they protected Ram Arnaccio, who apparently has the best changeup in the system, according to Baseball America, was an obvious one that like you other teams would have poached him. He absolutely would have lasted all year long on a major league roster. The Yankees would have lost him for good, and they decided not to. And instead, they're probably going to go to him when the opportunity presents itself mm-hmm. this year. He's, he's probably the first guy off the bus up from AAA. Love that. 
Steven Ridings is here. They're keeping him. That's another smart one. We don't know how bad his elbow injury is. We probably won't know anything about that till spring training. Expect him to be out because that's how it works. Here in Yankee Dumb. JP Sears, the lefty, is a surprise one. I, yeah. I another guy who you could easily see sticking around on somebody else's roster, like a three, four pitch mix lefty whose stuff all profiled up after this year. I'm interested. They're gonna they're gonna keep him. Uh, so that's great. And, and you know, we get to learn more about him now. We don't have to think about somebody else. Po- that was somebody I was prepared to lose. Trevor Steffen style. I don't know if it's going to pay off or not, but he's here now. Uh, and Oswaldo Cabrera still here. Chris Gittens somehow still here. Everson yeah. Pereira adds to the roster too. That's the, the the weird case of like he's among our top 15 prospects. Massive power potential. 20 homers this year at high, uh, between low and high A in under 200 at-bats. You start thinking, is someone actually going to take this dude, this like raw power-hitting 20-year-old outfielder, and keep him on the major league roster all year? I don't know if anybody would have done that but for a prospect of that caliber that you're chancing if you're leaving him unprotected you could come across a, a crazy team a 55 win team just willing to do anything to get an advantage like the rangers um so they had to protect him and and you know they ended up clearing five spots out of nothing sort of magic out of thin air yeah i i, I supported all the guys that they protected uh, i initially didn't know who jp sears was i'll admit and then you type in jp sears on google and it's apparently a comedian youtuber um, so if you guys want to see the other J.P. Sears, enjoy. That is not the J.P. Sears that is on the Yankees 40 man right now. Um, but, yeah, I forgot to mention Chris Gittens earlier. Like, I'm not not a Chris Gittens fan, but clearly they don't really believe in him because they ended up trading for Anthony Rizzo and they ended up kind of kicking Luke Voigt to the curb. So if Luke Voigt is getting kicked to the curb and Chris Gittens, who's, I think, turning 28 or is 28 by now, um, is not getting ample major league playing time, why is that a 40 man spot you're going to waste? I don't know, but here we are. They protected the guys we wanted them to. Um, there are still moves that can be made to clear more spots in the event of another trade. Matt Olson just had his wedding. So I think it's safe for us to trade for him. Now we won't interrupt. Yeah. Brian Cash doesn't have to interrupt his ceremony to tell him he's going to New York anymore. Wedding um, unruined. Yeah. Um, so here we are now. Uh, you want to talk about trades. You want to talk about free agency. We got it all here, and it's not good. What we're hearing is not good. I'll start off with the Verlander stuff, which I'm not happy about. Yeah, you're madder about this than I am. I'm not yeah. happy about this, I mean, but I'm going to give you the platform. Here. I'm not mad we didn't get Justin Verlander. I'm mad that the Yankees think that they can offer less or the same amount and still be an appealing destination. Why would you be an appealing destination? You haven't done anything in over a decade. 2009 was the last time you, you've been to a World Series. The Astros and Red Sox have punked you for the last five, six years. Why are the Yankees? Why are you offering a destiny? Why? Why are you offering the same amount of money and pretending like this is now like the this is still what it was fifteen years ago? The Astros offered. I, yeah. The Astros offered twenty five million to Verlander with a twenty five million dollar player option. The Yankees offered one reportedly, reportedly, reportedly. Sources. If this is all true, based on the high ranking MLP insiders that we cite on this show and on yanksgoyard.com, they offered a one-year $25 million deal to Verlander and would not budge on a player option. The Yankees, the New York Yankees, would not budge on a player option for Justin Verlander. And we sat here for weeks saying, what do you think What do you think a Verlander deal would be? Like two years, $40 million, two years, $45 million? Yeah, that sounds about good. The Yankees would not go. And the crazy part about this is that they would not go more than that one year. And the least advantageous year of that potential deal is the one year because he's coming off Tommy John and only pitched six innings in the last two seasons. So 
they were they would they were essentially about to put themselves back in a Corey Kluber situation. I know Verlander and Kluber are two totally different pitchers, but you look at their career trajectory. Corey Kluber three years ago, Cy Young candidate, until the injuries hit. Justin Verlander two three years ago, Cy Young winner. Injury, here we are, going to be 2022 now. So they were putting themselves back in this situation where they were going to spend a large chunk of their free agency money on one year for a guy who may or may not have panned out and wouldn't give any, any I guess, open mind to a second year where you would get the most benefit from that. Full year off, Tommy John. You're still probably, hopefully, contending in 2023, depending on what it is. And I crunched the numbers a little bit. Yankees have $99 million stuck on the books for 2023. If they keep every arbitration eligible player, it's another 75 million. So you're looking at 174 million. If they keep every arbitration eligible player, which, which they won't, it's just not going to happen. So you factor in a high profile shortstop signing, a center field signing. If you want to talk Starling Marte, a judge extension, you can add another 80 million. I'd say on, on an annual total annual eh, 70 million. Because I don't think the center fielders would be that expensive. You're probably looking at between 25 and 30 for Judge, between 28 and 32 for a shortstop if you're paying for one of these guys. This is worst case scenario, too. This is like if the Yankees are blowing up the bank, which they've showed no indication of doing. And then you have Verlander's 25 million. That would take the payroll to like 245 mil. That's really not that high. They've got teams have gone higher than that before. The Dodgers blew past it at 260 this year. So the Yankees would still have financial flexibility to get out of some deals. Maybe you get off Hicks' deal next year. Um, if he proves he could be a capable fourth outfielder, eat some of that money, get rid of most of it. You non-tender some guys who don't deserve, you know, the three, four, five million, whatever they're making. You could make it work. So the fact that the Yankees are already looking towards, it seems to me, 2023 is like, no, we're not, we're not going to be committing to there is what pisses me off because the whole appeal and allure of going to the Yankees, yes, it's the pinstripes. Yes, it's a decorated franchise, but they would pay the most out of anybody. That's why people came. They came to make money. So if the Houston Astros, the team has dominated the AL for the past half decade, is offering you the same amount of money plus a player option, and the Yankees are only offering you a one-year deal, why are you not going to go to the Astros? Justin Verlander made the right choice. I'm fine that he's not here. I like I like the 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 you know the contempt and the rivalry still existing here, but I just don't like the way the Yankees are approaching this because they're 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 proving to us that they think that they're still an appealing destination where they can offer less or the same amount of money. Yeah, were the Yankees the only people on earth who didn't know that Verlander was going to take two years to get him? Like they they seem to be the only people on the planet who who didn't understand that you're going to have to commit more yeah. than one year in order to sign Justin Verlander. Either that or this is an eyewash offer after the fact to be like, we actually also offered twenty five million dollars. Please leak that. It's like, well, how many times? Yeah. What times one? Times two? Because. The Astros managed to to double it. Actually, they doubled your offer. Um, I I don't. Um, I I saw so much. Saw a quote floating around this weekend that was like, "This is what I said about the Corey Seager thing. About like, this is what I've always said. He'll either go to the Rangers at his price, or he'll go to the Yankees at our price." And it's like Earth to everybody. Nobody wants to go to the Yankees at our price. There, there's nothing about the Yankees that would make you want to take drastically less money. If the Yankees don't want to pay $300 million for a shortstop and the Rangers do for Corey Seager, he's going to look at Texas and go 10 years, $300 million, and look at the Yankees and go eight years, $210 million, and just twiddle his thumbs and go, uh, Texas in one second because the Yankees took $90 million away from me. And like, Texas. The, the Yankees <laughs> don't have a mystique. I'm sorry. The Yankees do not have a mystique anymore. They play in a different stadium. They have not won a World Series in 12 years. There is no mystique factor involved in the Yankees. 
other than contention versus non-contention in Texas. But if the dollar gap is that large, there isn't a person on earth who will pay who will play at the Yankees price when they're being offered 90 to $100 million more by another organization. And Verlander is just another instance of that. The Astros give him 25 mil plus a player option. The Yankees give him 25 mil and nothing else. And he goes to Houston because of loyalty. Really? No, he goes to Houston because they double the salary yeah. and they're better at baseball. It's real. They have the mystique and the money. So what do we have? Yeah. Nobody, nobody grew up wanting to be a Yankee so badly that they'll take drastically less money to come here. That doesn't exist. No. It's not Tom Brady and the Patriots and the salary cap. It, it, that doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, I can't believe that we're here again. And it's, it doesn't bode well for you want to talk about people are looking at a Starling Marte deal. They think it's going to cost four and 70 or three and 60. Why do you think the Yankees are going to pay that? Oh, we're proudly finishing third in the Starling Market, yeah, Chase. I don't uh, think yeah. that's even a question. We're gonna the same thing is gonna come out. Yankees offered him three years, forty-two. Yeah. Okay. So I just don't I don't understand what they think what 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 they think that they, they they're clearly stuck in the past if they think they're that they can, you know, take back on offers now. The whole point, what made them unique is that they would just blow by other teams and offer more. I know it hasn't happened a whole lot because like, you know. When did free agency really blow up? Like early 2000s? It wasn't like, it wasn't truly like where you could go out and just like buy everybody. Yankees weren't buying and the Yankees made shrewd trades to make, you know, to, to foster the dynasty from 96 to 2000. So that was not all free agency. Then you're talking about the 2000s where teams start throwing money around and payrolls start really getting, um, really getting bigger and, and ballooning. So the Yankees had this reputation 20, 15, 20 years ago and, and into, into the, the last decade. And then they just kind of stopped and, or their spending would be bad. So now it's a combination of like, Oh, we haven't been spending entirely smartly. So like, let's kind of scale back, but then they don't realize that they need to spend more aggressively and maybe a little bit more irresponsibly for the correct candidate. So like giving $95 million to Brian McCann. Yeah. I mean, it was clear why that was a mistake. He's on the wrong side of 30, not really a mobile catcher just wasn't it, it wasn't it you talk about paying uh you know Jacoby Ellsbury we could talk we we could we could discuss that all day and why that wasn't the greatest move of all time yeah um, I liked it that's I, I, so, I will, I'll admit yeah I, I'll admit, but it was <laughs> I, I wasn't a huge fan of it but I was like okay this could this this could be cool and then it ends up being the worst thing ever so now they're like it <laughs> seems like they're shell-shocked because they spent the last the, I guess the last decade or so they didn't entirely spend as shrewdly as they usually do, and now they're trying to scale back and think that like their thriftiness and allure is gonna is gonna take the cake, and it's not. But if the right candidate is out there, if Justin Verlander was your guy, Justin Verlander was not my guy. Maybe Justin Verlander was the Yankees front office's guy. If he's your guy, I don't know why you're not making the the offer to go above and beyond. I really don't understand why. So for me, it just doesn't bode well what's to come. And then we could talk about the shortstops, dude. Talk about the shortstops. Why is this happening? I just I want to say once and for all that we've said this we've said this a million times. We'll say million. it again. We'll say it as long as we have because December first there might be a free agent frenzy here. We might actually just everybody might come off the board for the Yankees before uh, you know the, the calendar even really turns and we don't have to talk about it anymore, which like would be a nightmare, but would at least absolve us from talking about it. There are five shortstops that are worth your time this offseason. There are five of them. There are what? five shortstops who are worth anybody's time this offseason. 
we've heard it it's now we've heard it more often than we've heard the Yankees are actually pursuing shortstops Joel Sherman becoming the latest to say they're just sort of floating around the market and, and they're not willing to go 300 mil and, and they're not willing to go above that for the top guys and they're just sort of hoping someone's market will crater well FYI nobody's market's gonna crater so it's a fake hope that's what they're hoping for they're just not gonna get Corey Seager or Carlos Correa yeah very interesting um there are five guys who matter and if you don't get any of those guys then you're not going you're not getting a good player no Antleton Simmons sucks at this juncture <laughs> known for his defense he is now 32 he put up a 57 ops plus last year one of the worst offensive players in baseball putrid the defense which is regressing does not make up for it jose iglesias is an interesting spark plug as a part-time player freddie galvis i've always liked but freddie galvis isn't good he's tyler wade level on offense he's got more power i sort of enjoy freddie Gal- in the past i've advocated for freddie galvis i i have I've thought that would be an interesting trade trade piece for the Yankees to obtain at the August 30th waiver deadline and, and end up like starting 10 times down the stretch as you shuffle people around the infield, not to be your starting shortstop for 160 games. There are five people in the market who matter. Like you cannot stress this and all the other guys who are stopgap options are so much worse. Aren't starters on contending teams. That's it. Don't bend your brain around to try to tell me that the Yankees spending money and prioritizing money elsewhere and cheaping out on the shortstop is actually good because Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza are coming. Volpe, by the way, maybe not a shortstop. The evaluators say he could be a second baseman or a third baseman. Peraza, great. 2024 is not the year to be planning for uh, with Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton in their primes. And Judge's and Stanton's primes even shorter than anybody else's primes yeah. because they are giant men, extremely unpredictable, and are often not on the field. So even Garrett Cole's prime, which we're complaining about wasting, is probably going to be longer than Judge and Stanton's prime. He's got more years to work with. He's, and pitchers adjust. And Justin Verlander's still good. And Garrett Cole might be a strong Garrett Cole might be great throughout the entire rest of his contract. I don't know. I really hope so. Ball's getting stickier this offseason. Judge and Stanton are equally, if not much more risky, uh, because they just don't stay on the field. Garrett Cole, anything could happen, sure. But right now, you have to plan for the primes of all three of those people. And signing anyone other than the top five shortstops would be embarrassing. And yet, somehow, kind of feels like we're getting taken there. Volpe, great. Hope he becomes a shortstop in the future. Evaluators seem split. Peraza, sure. I think you should use him in a Matt Olson trade ASAP instead of holding on to him and holding on to extra shortstops. You also picked a shortstop in the first round last year. You have shortstop assets. You made that extremely clear. I hope they all end up being great players. I hope they all stick it short. But none of them are starting on opening day 2022. And the man who would be Anderson Simmons, Iglesias, Freddie Galvis, no, no, no. Iglesias was great in Boston because everybody is when they know what pitches are coming. He was terrible for the Angels as, as the starting shortstop last. The Angels rejected bad starting shortstop. Should not be the Yankees shortstop in 2021, in 2022, as the Angels poach Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez. I hope I've made myself clear. Which brings me to, again, only five shortstops matter. There are five of them. They matter. That's a thesis statement. Five. If you don't get one of the five, you've gotten worse. From, oh, I mean, maybe you haven't gotten worse because Glaber Torres was the worst of the worst, but you certainly have not gotten better. And so, one of the five, Trevor Story is probably the least talked about of the big five at this moment. He's a Texas boy, Dallas area native. He's met with the Rangers as the Rangers seem to have cooled on Seager a little bit. You're hearing more Dodgers Seager stuff lately, which makes me think there's a chance that happens, especially if the Yankees aren't dipping into the pool there, which is all we keep hearing. So, 
Trevor's story that the projected MLB trade room is a uh, contract is six years, 126 million. That is $21 million a year. The Yankees should be able to spend more than $21 million a year on Trevor story. They were ready to spend $25 million for one year of Justin Verlander. If they trade for Matt Olson, he's under control for two years. The next two years are crucial for this team before everything starts getting a little weird and they might need to turn things over to another generation. Um, $21 million for six years. Trevor Story is coming off of a year in Colorado where he had a 103 OPS plus, was worth 4.2 war. The defense still good. It was his worst year and most injury-plagued year. He turned down the qualifying offer. The Rockies could have traded him before 2020, could have traded him after 2020, could have traded him at the 2021 deadline, snuffed out his value the best they could. This is the least interested anyone's ever been in Trevor Story, and he's entering a shortstop market with Correa and Seager at the top. That's dicey, too. He's the third-tier name when he would be the first-tier shortstop name in many other off-seasons. Of all the people who might accept an AAV blowout two-year deal, why wouldn't Trevor Story entertain two years, 56 mil? Enter the market again at the age of 31. Get seven more years of security, probably. You can go to Texas then. Texas will be way better in two years. Yeah. Marcus Semien's not going to take this deal. No. He's coming off an MVP top three finish. He wants money now, and he's older than Story, and he should get money now. Trevor Story is going to have another opportunity for money if he signs on for two years, and the Yankees can beat 21 mil, and they should. So I- I'm not saying sign Trevor Story for six years and block everybody. I'm saying blow Trevor Story's market away because, again, he's one of only five people who matters, and he's the one asset who's been slightly devalued by the market and circumstances beyond his control and the Rockies being bad at this. So can't the Yankees just take advantage of somebody else's follies once? Yeah. If this is a time, if you want to cheap, if this is your version of cheaping out, this is the way to do it. Fine. I even give Trevor Story six years for $21 million a year. What is the problem with that? Here is the rebuttal or no, here, here is, here's, I guess a question that people have to answer or the Yankees organization has to answer. Do you think that Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza will be as good as Trevor story is throughout their MLB careers? Okay. Maybe what are the chances of that? I, I, they're, they're not high. It, it's not that, that it's not an exact science with prospects. We see prospects flame out all the time. So you have a sure thing in Trevor Story right in front of you. Let's say he is there for twenty between twenty and twenty-two million dollars a year. I'm not opposed to signing him to a five, six year deal. That doesn't bother me. Now you have shortstop assets that you can either, hey, what if Volpe isn't a shortstop? Then he maybe he plays third. Maybe he's a second baseman. You have options there. Or you just have more ammo to trade for a co-ace to put alongside Garrett Cole for however many years it's going to be. So you can never look at it in through a negative lens when you're having too many good players because there's no such thing as that sort of a problem. Um, but if you want to talk about a short-term deal, Joel Sherman, Joel Sherman's column that talked about why uh, the Yankees were um, uh, stepping back from the shortstop market. Your columns it, suck. I don't even think, I know. I don't even think that you have to go two years for sure. I think you give story one year, 25, 30 mil and call it because guess what? If you're this high on Volpe and Peraza, they should be starting in 2023. You even said they should be starting in 2022 if you're going to step back from all these high-profile options. If you don't want to spend money for a shortstop in what could be the greatest class in the last couple generations of free agency, then it doesn't make any sense why 
why you why you would do that. You have to get, giving Trevor Story a short term deal to prepare for one of your guys in 2023 is fine. Waiting anything longer beyond 2023 for those guys doesn't make any sense. So I think it's I, I would do either or you take a short term deal here. I'm fine with them believing in their prospects. That's totally OK with me. That's totally fine. But you have to have a plan and it can't be, oh, yeah, we're going to hang around until 2024 and see what happens. No, these guys are ready. 2023 should be the target date. You get a you get a guy who can actually step in and play, and I don't see why Trevor Story would would uh, would uh, kind of back out on the chance to a take home that much money if it's twenty five thirty mil, and b be the headlining shortstop free agent in next year's class and get all these other guys off his back because there's always a need for shortstops, especially of his talent level, um, and he can rebuild himself out of Colorado. Proved any doubters wrong talking about his splits at cores and on the road um, and reestablish his value there. And maybe the Yankees want to keep him. Maybe they take him back. I don't know. Um, but you can't go into this year with a Simmons or or a Galvis and then just be like, yeah, we're going to take him from here and see what happens. It's it's really not the answer. We saw how detrimental it could be without a shortstop who can effectively hit the ball or have a sterling glove. I don't think Galvis and or Simmons have the requisite defense to like blow your mind away and make you forget about the suboptimal bat that they're going to be taking to the plate every single night. So short-term offer, like I said, I mean, my first short-term offers were to Correa and Seager because apparently if teams want to wait until February, they think they're going to get a discount, have these guys take two-year deals, massive, massive AAV and have them re-enter free agency before they're 30. They're still going to get paid. So I'm I'm on board. I think a Trevor Story deal is perfect. I think I like him long term too, especially if it's not prohibitive. I I mean, if Story doesn't want to try to rebuild his value on a one year deal, then like he doesn't believe in himself. Yeah, Trevor, if you believe <laughs> in yourself, you would take a one year prove it deal with the New York Yankees. I'll pay you thirty million dollars. You can make eighteen point four in Colorado. I'll get I'll give up my draft pick. I'll give you thirty million dollars coming to New York Yankees next year. Show me what I need to – and if Anthony Volpe hits 30 home runs and steals 30 bags, double A and triple A, right. and he's ready for 2023, great. Walk on by. Trevor Story was a 30 mil, 35 mil a year AAV guy before this year. Yes. That was the chatter. Yeah. He, he was like an eight years, 270 mil dude. And now he's like a guy who you're, you're – project- $120 million to Texas? That's chump change. Come to – you believe in yourself, Trevor. Come bet on yourself. Come play for the New York Yankees. Because otherwise, I'm sick of this. And I'm done. To, like, you know what I don't want to be writing? Freddie Galvis, Tyler Wade comparison pieces. Because who cares? I don't want to be writing that at all. I don't want to be comparing 24th men on the roster to each other. But if they're starting for the Yankees, and I guess I have to. Brody Subs just commented, Tyler Wade, revenge season, I fear. Brody, I do not I do not fear that. I love that. But I, I, uh, let's, let's, I, I mean, put, I, I don't fear that. that That's not pop. something I'm going to fear. Yeah, there you go. Just <laughs> Brody! Love it. Uh, I mean, I fear it a little bit, I guess. I fear revenge season anytime we let somebody go. But um, it, it's just another – It's a, how about another thing that's just ingrained in Yankee fandom at this point? You let somebody who we objectively have hated for years in Tyler Wade go, and the first impulse isn't like goodbye to a nice guy or he was bad and I asked him to be cut for a long time and now he is gone. The first impulse is like, oh, he's going to kick our ass. Because that's what happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that bad guy who we hated, he's going to kick our ass for sure. Um, Clint Frazier is sort of a more obvious revenge candidate, but yeah, maybe Tyler Wade revenge season two. Um, so uh, before we get out of here, let's do the Hall of Fame ballot at the back end. Just, I mean, this is objectively not nice, 
this is not nice uh, to Boston Red Sox fans, and so we'll just we'll get out easy. Uh, this is brazen hypocrisy Hall of Fame season. Get ready for it. Prepare yourselves. Uh, batten down the hatches. Um, I've already heard. We've already heard the rebuttals uh, from Red Sox fans. I'll not. I'm not going to parse the particulars and go deep into the details and analyze David Ortiz's WRC plus in high leverage situations. David Ortiz is making the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. I'm not here to argue that David Ortiz does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He's making it first ballot. You can do whatever you want to the timeline. You can tell yourself whatever you want to about what happened, when it happened, what happened afterwards. I understand. I don't like Alex Rodriguez. I don't want him in the Hall of Fame. I do. He's not somebody I like. Barry Bonds, I do want in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. That, that's somebody I want in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, you could talk me into it either way. I, I don't know. I'm not terribly pat. Barry Bonds is the one I'm passionate about. It's the greatest hitter we've ever seen. Ever ever never tested positive for steroids in a major league baseball official test did he do steroids uh yeah probably i do believe that he did so did Devon rodriguez probably so did jeff bagwell probably so did mike piazza almost definitely all three of those people are in the hall of fame already and all three have the same connection to peds that barry bonds has in other words conjecture likelihood and no positive test sanctioned by major league baseball david ortiz has a positive test administered by Major League Baseball. In the 2003 survey testing, which is the same place Alex Rodriguez was caught first. The first time A-Rod was caught was the survey testing. Same with David Ortiz. Ortiz never failed to test again. A-Rod did. He was suspended a lot. He missed a ton of baseball games. He cheated often. These are facts. (laughs) But Ortiz has failed more Major League Baseball sanctioned drug tests than Barry Bonds. And Ortiz is going to sail in, and Barry Bonds' candidacy is DOA, and he can't get over 40%. That's it. That's all. Ortiz is getting in. He should get in. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a guy who impacted this past era a ton. You can't tell the story of baseball without him. You can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds either, folks. And Ortiz has more positive tests. Those are just true statements. And so I'm not saying Ortiz shouldn't get in. I'm not saying his candidacy should, be, candidacy should be cheapened by the PED use, not accusations, use. He used them. I'm just saying that the media hypocrisy and the glowing Ortiz columns that are coming, trust me, the Ortiz columns from the media have nothing to do with the fact that he tested positive on the Twins and not the Red Sox. And, what, and it was a survey test and it was anonymous. And Ortiz is still out here looking for the real killer 15 years later. You're going to get an Ortiz love fest from the media as he sails in that Barry Bonds has never obtained, and that's just not a that's a double standard. Yeah, uh, I I just don't. You look at the list. You look at the accomplishments too of like guys like Clemens, seven Cy Youngs, dude, insane. Barry Bonds blew up an era. Of baseball. Yeah, yeah, and dominated during the steroid. So like, even if he was doing steroids, he was out steroiding the hitters and doing better than them. So like, that says something to me. I don't know. Am I being ignorant? Tune in next time. Um, but Barry Bonds, top five all time in RBIs, um, home run leader, obviously with an asterisk, all this has an asterisk next to it just because of the, the implications here. Um, I'm not saying David Ortiz was a repeat offender and someone who used steroids to his advantage to succeed throughout major league baseball, but the guy was pretty much a lifetime DH 17th all time in home runs, 23rd all time in RBI. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. First ballot. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think the he has no MVPs. No, there are no individual accolades to kind of speak 
speak on his his breadth of work. Three World Series, very cool. Coolest comeback of all time in baseball, 2004, very cool. Um, I don't remember that, but I guess that happened. Disheartening stuff. But, like, you look at the case of, like, Jeter and Mo. Mo, first ballot, unanimous, all-time saves leader, was greatest closer of all time that people watch objectively. David Ortiz is one of the greatest hitters we've watched all time objectively, but, like, is he the greatest hitter we've watched? Is he one of the five greatest hitters you've seen in your life? I don't know. Maybe I think a rod might've been a better hitter. A rod was probably a better hitter than him cheating or not. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why the, the only reason I would see this being a first ballot hall of fame selection is because of why he's is because of his, him being beloved by the media. Um, a lot of good storylines when he was in Boston, but you know, 10 time all-star seven time silver slugger, one time world series MVP, nothing else that like, I don't know. Am I crazy? I know we don't like the Red Sox and I'm not sitting here trying to nitpick things about why we don't, you know what we're not even saying he should be in the hall of fame. It's just first ballot seems insane when you have, he has no individual accolades. And I know that that, that like that has to, that has to play a role here. I'll go to, let's go to his baseball average phase. Led the league in RBI three times, walks twice. OBP once OPS once uh, in a 20 year career. That's great. It's great. Great career. Hall of Fame player. First ballot Hall of Fame when guys like Roger Clemens and 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 uh, Barry Bonds are not going to get in and Manny Ramirez is not going to, who ranks ahead of David Ortiz on a couple of the all-time lists, is not going to get in. Cra- it seems crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, the, only, the only two things, it's, it's this easy for me. If I had to spend my time and waste my days defending Derek Jeter's defensive lapses last year, David Ortiz didn't play defense. So Derek Jeter even trying to play defense is already more impressively impactful than David Ortiz, who you couldn't put on the field. And then two, everybody else, when you get the PED news about everybody else, Robinson Cano on down, you read the news that somebody tested positive, and the immediate mental, the, the synapses that fire, are you going, ah, they're out of the Hall of Fame then. No more Hall of Fame for them. That's a shame. Uh, God, Cano, it's a Hall of Fame career, but he tested positive, so he's out. David Ortiz tested positive, and he's in. He's in. He's the first one who's going to be in with a positive. That's where it ends. I don't care when it happened. I don't care why it happened. It's an automatic disqualifier for everybody else, and it's not for him. That's the only hypocrisy conversation you need. He's getting in whether like the, the narrative's going to, you're right. He's probably not a first ballot hall of famer. If he played for the Royals and appeared in one postseason. the postseason narrative stuff is going to get him in on the first ballot. And that's great. And hopefully he's the only one who goes in this year and Kurt Schilling gets his wish and doesn't make the hall. And it's just going to be Ortiz, but that's just going to make the love fest more glaring as bonds comes up way short and nobody answers no like Red Sox fans. I know what your answer to the question is, and that makes sense because you love David Ortiz, and he he changed your life. And it's fine for you to defend David Ortiz. It's not fine for objective media to not be able to answer the simple question of why is he the only PED positive test that you're willing to vote for? All or none. Ortiz is going to double up the previous PED tester Hall of Fame vote record. You just have, if you're national media, you just have to be able to answer that question. What's different about Ortiz? And the only answers are you like him and you think the timing of the positive test doesn't impact his career stats, which it's, it's embarrassing rationalization if you're not a homer. If you're a homer, I get it. If you're national media, I don't understand it at all. 
you want to talk about people using advanced stats too? The last thing I'll say on it, 55 career war for David Ortiz. 55. That's not a lot, guys. A-Rod That's two and a half Mike Trout season. Yeah. A-Rod was 117. You want to see what Barry Bonds is? Let's see this so we can laugh. Last thing before. 3,412. 163. 163. That's 110. That's 108 more. That's a lot. This is what all these arguments are based on. The ML, the collective bargaining agreement for this next term, they were discussing paying players based on war. It could be the literal future. Everybody t- everybody mm-hmm. takes these stats as religion, and now we're going to look at a Hall of Fame candidate in David Ortiz, and no individual accolades. War is not that impressive. Postseason track record there. Jovial, cool, nice guy there. Boston underdog narrative there. Play the top to bottom. Playing DH, it's just not there for me. I hope he gets in though. He will. Imagine, imagine if they had paid people by war during the like Red Sox dynasty, they would have gotten Ortiz for like three million dollars <laughs> every year. Would have been incredible. Uh, people keep popping in and off the stream during the Ortiz rant, which I assume is Red Sox fans angrily logging off and then sending it to their friends so they can log on <laughs> and get mad and then, and then get off again. It's like ping ponging up the same number of numbers. I hope you enjoyed that, Red Sox Nation. It's like he's getting in. It's just I just want one member of the national media. I'm going to apply for a credential and just ask everybody there, can you comment on the record why the David Ortiz situation is different than all? It's like, why is this night different than all other nights? Why, why is David Ortiz the guy? It's just because you like him. Yeah. He's a big part of baseball history. Yeah. And you hate A-Rod. I, I don't like A-Rod either. But, I mean, 09 A-Rod, 2013 Ortiz, what's the difference there? And a very similar figures. It log me off before I start going. Um, that's it for <laughs> that's this it. edition. <laughs> That's it. That's it for this edition of the XQR podcast. We'll do it all again when Ortiz gets in first ballot. Trust me, we will do it Live all again. Show. Live show as soon as it happens. Meltdown, meltdown Monday. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be good. In, in the meantime, you can listen to this again. You can send this to all your Boston friends on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us five star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. We're going to be coming at you live again on Wednesday because Thursday is a little-known holiday that America is testing out called Thanksgiving. A lot of people are going to be eating dinner with their family. Moves might happen between now and then, uh, but you're not going to hear from us until after the holiday. That's just how it goes. You can read about it. You can read us, but you're not going to hear us. And I think that's okay. We will see you again on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Yes, everyone. I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at tummies underscore takes right there for you. Uh, head on over to yanksyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Talk to us on the official Yard Twitter account at yanksyardfs. Had somebody yelling at us today because we're talking about the Yankees' revenue compared to what they're spending on the payroll. Like, what's going on? He's still yelling at us. Still yelling. He showed, up, he showed up to yell at us. And then when we gave him what he wanted, he was like, wow, disagree with someone now these days, and they're just automatically the enemy. It's like, you showed up to yell at us. You, t- What are you talking about? You're like, you guys are dumb. And we're like, here's why we're not dumb. And you're like, wow, you hate me because of my opinion. Wow, 2021. It's crazy. Why did you even show up? Well, anyway, guys, pop back in the chat. I love comments. We love putting the comments up on the board here. We talk about it. Tyler Wayne's revenge season, I fear, will be a top five comment probably for the next year. Um, And until then, we'll be talking on Wednesday, 2 p.m. live again right here. Take care, everybody. Have a happy – oh, no. We'll we'll tell you happy Thanksgiving on Wednesday. Yeah, plan your meals. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.